Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John chapter 8? The Gospel of John chapter 8. And with the Lord's help, over the next few weeks here, I'll be beginning a series this morning from the Gospel of John dealing with seven significant statements that Jesus made that are revealed in the Gospel of John. They're often referred to as the I am statements. When Jesus spoke about his identity, his purpose, and really his significance as the one who had come to this world. This morning's message from John 8 will be a preface or an introduction to the other seven messages which will each deal consecutively with one of those statements that Jesus made. But John chapter 8, our text this morning, and we're going to read from verse 33 through 59, but before we read the whole text, I want you to see verse 58, which is the reason that we are at this text, and I'll explain a little bit more of what we're looking at this morning by way of preface to the rest of the series, but just look at verse 58, John chapter 8, verse 58, Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Now, to you and I, to some of you, that may be a very significant statement. To other people, you may say, why was Jesus using bad grammar? And you're a little bit uncertain about what is being expressed. Hopefully, by the end of this service, this message this morning you will be crystal clear on what Jesus was saying and what Jesus was trying to communicate. There are a number of religions today that suggest that Jesus is not God, that he never claimed to be God, that he didn't do things that were consistent with him being God. Now, some of these religions will say, that Jesus was not initially God, and then he grew into deity. Some of them just outright say that he's not God at all. And what we want to do this morning is point out why that is wrong, and why in a system like that, if Jesus is not God, there is no salvation from sin, why it is significant that we believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John is important. Of course, we know that there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Each of these Gospels give a unique view of the life and the person of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of John is unique in that it is really addressed to the whole world. So to Gentiles and Jewish people alike, this Gospel has a strong appeal And it is really highlighting the fact that Jesus is God, which is why throughout the Gospel of John, you will find a number of statements where Jesus is making clear attribution to deity for himself. So when people say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God, that is completely and patently false. And you can go to the Gospel of John and time after time, 
you can demonstrate that Jesus did, in fact, claim to be God. This is one of the clearest places where he claimed to be God. One of the reasons that people make that suggestion is because they, they are looking for Jesus to say, I am God. But instead, he makes statements like this one that we're looking at in John chapter 8, where without saying as clear to us as we would like, I am God, he is saying, I am Jehovah. So he is clearly making statement to his own deity. So this morning, what we want to do, and we're going to read the text. I'd like to read the whole chapter, but we don't, uh, for sake of time, we're going to start at verse 33, because that'll give us a good, a significant part of the context, and we'll read all the way to the end of the chapter. And today, we want to really consider the importance of the deity of Christ. Specifically, we want to think about the importance of this, this scriptural truth that Jesus is I am. And that is what he's claiming in the end of this chapter. And why is that important to us? What impact does that have on everything else that we believe and practice? And hopefully it'll be a help to you today. John eight thirty three. before we begin reading the text, let me preface by saying this. John 8 is, uh, really it starts in John 6, but John 6, 7, and 8 is the beginning of a great controversy. This is towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Most of John's gospel deals with the controversial period of Jesus' ministry rather than the part where he was popular. By John chapter 8, by the time we come to John chapter 8, Jesus is in Jerusalem and he, is, he has set a woman free who is brought to him being caught in adultery and he forgave her and then dismissed her and some of the men who were accusing her were also dismissed. And in the midst of this, Jesus was doing some teaching and some people said, oh, we're, we believe on Jesus and Jesus made some statements to them. And then they didn't like what Jesus said, so they gave some answers to him. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse number 33. So these are people who have, now watch the air quotes, believed on Jesus. They've made a mental ascent to Jesus. They've thought, okay, maybe we can follow Jesus, but it becomes clear in this passage that they have not truly believed on Jesus because they have not reckoned with the identity of Jesus. They have not really dealt with the fact that Jesus is I am. And that's what he's bringing them. He's bringing them to that point of confrontation right here in this passage. John 8, 33, they answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible, you might mark that verse. That's a very significant verse in the Gospel of John. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father." They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto them, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. 
But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then said they to him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honor my father, and ye do dishonor me. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead? Whom makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him, But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Now, as you can see, this is quite a sharp interaction between Jesus and these Jewish people who have said initially that they want to believe on him. And yet, once they start to realize what Jesus is expecting or what Jesus is claiming for himself or what would be expected of them and what they need to recognize in their life, they quickly begin to backpedal from their belief on Christ, and they start to ask and then accuse and say some things to Jesus. So we're going to deal with this passage in three sections. First of all, I want you to look with me at the attack that is here in this passage upon Jesus' claim to deity. This attack is something that is, of course, from this time in his ministry... But we see many elements of this attack even today as people do not want to believe on the biblical Jesus. Now, let me say very quickly this morning, many people are happy to believe in a Jesus 
that fits their ideas. And so they like to pick and choose the things about Jesus that they like and they dislike, and they just throw out the things they don't like, and they, there's things they do like, you know, like, oh, well, he was a really nice guy, and he was a good teacher, and he did miracles and helped people, and I like those kind of things. You know, I like some of the nice things that he had to say, but some of those other things, I don't think I like those things so much, so I'm not going to believe in that kind of a Jesus. So let me say very plainly that when you do that, you are not believing in the biblical Jesus. You are believing in a false Jesus that is actually the Antichrist. You are believing in someone who is not Christ at all, not what God revealed that Jesus is. So it's significant and it's important that we not pick and choose the things that we like or dislike about Jesus. He is who he is. Take him or leave him. He's declared himself to be who he is, which is what this series is going to be about. As Jesus declares himself, for instance, to be, I am the bread of life. I am the door. I am the true vine. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. And you're going to see that all of those are definitive statements that define who Jesus is and what he came to do. So this morning, though there are attacks upon Jesus, we don't get to pick and choose which part of Jesus we like or dislike or which part we'll take. We can't create a Jesus of our own liking. He is who he is. Now, these Jewish people were trying to do that. There were things that they liked about Jesus. For instance, he was doing a lot of miracles, and they liked that. He was really doing some awesome things and got people's attention. There was some potential that maybe he would lead them out of bondage from under the Roman nation because he seemed to be pretty powerful. And they liked all those kind of things, but there were other things that they did not like. And Jesus, as the case is, was, was want to bring those things right to the forefront he brought these issues right up in front of them, and he just, he just said, look, what do you think about this? And, oh, by the way, this needs to happen in your life. And so, as we just saw, as we were reading through the text, we have this back and forth where Jesus says one thing, which is truth, and they contradict it. And Jesus says something else, which is truth, and they contradict it. And Jesus says something else, which is truth, and they contradict it culminating with the very last verse of the chapter where they decide that Jesus is a menace to society and they pick up stones and decide to kill him. So there's an attack upon Jesus' claim of deity. The Hebrew leaders and even these that Jesus was talking to, they believed perhaps that Jesus was a good teacher. They believed that Jesus had some potential to do some good. They could not deny the fact that he spoke with authority and that he knew the scriptures but they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They did not believe that Jesus was the Son of God because to be the Son of God is to be equal with God the Father. They did not believe that he was the Son of God. They did not believe that he was the one prophesied by God. In short, they did not believe that he was God. And they proved that over and over and over again throughout this passage. For instance, in verse 33, Jesus had said to them, "'Ye shall know the truth,' and the truth shall make you free. And their answer to Jesus was, we're Abraham's seed. We're the children of Abraham. We've never been in bondage to any man, which is ironic because even at this very time, they were under bondage to the Romans. And of course, in their history, there had been times when God had allowed them to be taken into bondage by other nations because of their rebellion against God's law. 
But they said to Jesus, you know, we're not really in bondage to sin. We don't need to be set free. It's clear in the context that Jesus is talking about bondage to sin, not bondage to men. But they are totally twisting this. And I believe one reason that they're doing this, and I want to point this out to you, because most people that we talk to, most people that we're going to deal with, this is a major hang-up that people have with the identity of Jesus, and that is they really do not feel that they're in bondage to sin. They don't feel that they have offended God. They do not feel that they are worthy of God's judgment. So why would they need a Savior to begin with? And so many people will place an attack on Jesus' deity because they don't sense that they need a Savior in the first place. In verse 39, they answered again to Jesus and said to him, Abraham is our father. Now Jesus' answer to them was, if ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. And you saw that as we were reading the text, how Jesus followed that line. But what they were saying, and I want you to to draw attention to verse 39, the first part of it, when they said, Abraham is our father, they were very proud of their heritage. And they were saying this to Jesus, look, we are somebody because we come from the line of Abraham. Everything is right between us and God because we could trace our heritage all the way back to Abraham, our father. We know where we came from. Everything is good with us. We don't have a spiritual problem We are on a good standing with God. Now, again, it's important for us to understand the reason for this attack on Jesus' deity is really rooted in their own pride. They don't want to recognize that Jesus is above them or that Jesus is superior to them, which, in fact, he is. He's God, and they should have recognized that. They don't want to recognize that. They want to claim, we are from Abraham, we're special. This is like many people today who, when you talk to them, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're right with God? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? Their answer is, I was raised in a Christian home. I went to church all my life. Listen, when I was a kid, I never missed Sunday school. I've got the award, uh, the award ribbons to prove that I never missed a Sunday. I memorized the scriptures. I, I got baptized. I was a member of a good church. I, I'm, I'm very religious. None of that means anything apart from Christ. But many people would like to build their own pedigree and say, this is why I'm okay with God. This is what these Jewish people were doing in front of Jesus. Then it got really pointed in verse 41. They said to him, we be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. What are they saying? Well, they're going back to the circumstances surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, his incarnation into this world. And of course, because of the fact that he was born of a virgin through the power of the Holy Spirit, the accusation that was placed against Jesus was, you were were born illegitimately. It was probably Joseph, and he didn't want to admit it, and, and he got Mary pregnant, And they weren't even married yet, so they would use this like a a way to slam somebody's character, which is inappropriate to begin with. What does a child have to do with how they came into the world? But it's also untrue, because that was not true about Jesus' birth. He was not born of fornication. But what they were doing, this is the straw man fallacy. It's the idea of build your argument that is not legitimate at all and show how bad this person is because of this, and it's not true. 
But they said, we, our father is God, and we are, we are really something. So they're really uh, poking at Jesus. Verse 48, again, they said, say we not well that thou art a Samaritan and hast a devil. So when they were using that term Samaritan, that was meant to be uh, an insult. They were saying to him, you're probably not even a full Jew. You're probably not even totally legitimate as a, as a Jewish man. You're probably just a Samaritan. You're probably all mixed up back there in your birth. And, oh, by the way, you, you're demon-possessed, too. You have a devil. So they're really piling it on. Now, for his part, Jesus doesn't seem to be intimidated at all by them. Which, I just want to suggest to you that people who attack the deity of Jesus Christ are not getting anywhere with him. He's not intimidated by your attacks upon his deity. He's not somehow going, oh, I hope that they'll come around and see me as God. He is God, whether you think he is or not. He is Lord, whether you think that he is or not. Verse 52 and 53, Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Because Jesus had said, If a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. They said, Abraham is dead. So our father, the father of the Jewish nation, who, who could argue that he followed God and that he was a worshiper of Jehovah, but he's dead. But now you're saying, if any man keeps my sayings, he's never going to see death. Who are you? Abraham is dead. The prophets are dead. And you're saying, if a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste of death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? Who are you? Who are you saying that you are? Now it starts to get really interesting. And we're going to come back and look at the claim of Jesus in just a minute. But I want you to see in verse 57, they were really offended with Jesus' answer to their question. And in verse 57, they said to Jesus, Thou art not yet 50 years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Who are you? you? Abraham died Thousands of years ago, how can you talk about Abraham being glad to see your day? We don't understand what you're trying to say. They didn't see Jesus as being old enough. How could he possibly have seen Abraham? So clearly there are things that they don't understand about Jesus. Many people today, there are things they don't understand about Jesus. People say things about Jesus to me, and, and I'm, you have to be polite. But sometimes you want to say... Have you ever read the Bible? Do you have any idea what you're talking about? Because what you are saying is showing the fact that you have, you have no idea who Jesus really is. That's what these people are... The things that they're saying are indicating they really have no idea who Jesus is. This is when Jesus claimed to be the I Am, and this all culminated in verse 59 with them picking up stones to kill Jesus to stone him to death, which would be the answer of the law if they felt that he had committed blasphemy, which is what they believed. They believed that Jesus was blaspheming God by claiming to be Jehovah, so they picked up stones and they were going to kill Jesus Christ. So there is an attack upon Jesus' claim to deity. And I, I don't want to dwell much longer on this except to say that this is really a central point or which around which much false doctrine circulates. So if you can get an idea what someone believes about Jesus, it's going to help you to understand whether they are actually 
Bible believers or whether they are believing something else. And, And just so that we're crystal clear on this, if someone believes something different about Jesus than what the Bible teaches, they are not a Bible believer. They may believe some select things that come out of the Bible, and it may sound like, oh, they sound like a Bible believer, but if they believe something different about Jesus than what the Bible declares, they are not a Bible believer. And this would take in a lot of religions that are trying really hard to sound like they are Christian. Like right now, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is trying really hard to sound like they are Christian, but they have a different belief about Jesus. The Watchtower Society has a different belief about Jesus. Even most of the Protestant churches have a different belief about Jesus. So be tuned in to these things and understand that there will often be an attack upon Jesus' deity. Now, in the passage, what did Jesus claim for himself? Well, in verse 35 and 36, Jesus claimed to be the Son. This means he is claiming equality with the Father. Because to a Hebrew, God the Son and God the Father are equal. They are the same. They they have the same uh, authority. They, They are God. This is in keeping with the Trinitarian view of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what is referred to in the Scriptures as the Godhead. This is very important that Jesus is claiming to be the Son. He's saying, I am the Son. And to them, that's the same as saying, I am God. They're having a hard time with this. Again, in verse 36, Jesus said, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. He claims to have authority to set people free from their sin. And when he sets people free from their sin, they are free indeed. This is not a mirage. This is not some kind of a sleight of hand. He really can set men free from sin. That is power that belongs only to God. In verse 38, he says that he is speaking that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which ye have seen with your father. So he's claiming that what he is declaring, the things that he is saying are the truth that is coming from God the Father. They are things, furthermore, that he has seen with his Father, denoting that he has been in the presence of the Father, that he is familiar with the ways of the Father, and that everything that he is speaking is the truth of the Father. Verse 42, Jesus said, If God were your Father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. The idea being, if you say that you love God the Father, and you really do, then you're going to love me, because I am God. I have come from the Father. So when we think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we think of three distinct persons, but they are equal, and they are the same in power and in essence. One God, three persons. And we see that Jesus is clearly claiming to be equal with the Father. Verse 49, he says, I have not a devil, but I honor my Father, and ye do dishonor me. So he says, I'm honoring the one who you say is your God, the Father, but you are dishonoring me. And the implication is, because you are dishonoring me, Jesus is saying, you are dishonoring the Father. We're in opposition. Jesus says we're in opposition here in these things. 
verse 56, he says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. What is Jesus talking about? He's talking about the fact that he existed eternally before he he came into this world. Jesus always has been, and he always will be. And you say, well, when was it that Abraham saw his day and rejoiced? Well, perhaps, and we don't know for sure, but perhaps it was that day when Abraham entertained three individuals in his tent and he spread a meal for them. And one of them, I believe, was an appearance of Jesus Christ before Bethlehem and Abraham met the Lord Jesus Christ. And Maybe that's what Jesus is referring to. But clearly what Jesus is saying is that he has existed before. Now, the Jewish men, they're struggling with this because they're saying, like you and I might say, well, how can you know somebody from thousands of years ago? Are you a time traveler? Or, you know, what, 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 are you, what claim are you making? The claim that Jesus is making is that he has always been, which is what he is about to say. And this is very, very important. Jesus did not start existing when he was born in Bethlehem. He became, he became God incarnate, if you, if you want to put it that way. God became flesh at that moment, but Jesus already existed, and he still exists now. Amen. He's the Alpha and Omega. So now we come to verse 58, which is how we started the message. And I want to draw your attention there because I think this is really where everything revolves around. So Jesus makes this statement, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto the, to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, this is a huge statement. When Jesus takes for himself the title, I am, and and the way that even the grammar, the way that it is expressed in this verse, Jesus is clearly making a claim that he is Jehovah, that he is I am. Now, I am is a very important title, especially to the Hebrew people. This is the title that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush when Moses asked, who can I tell the people has sent me when I go back and tell them we're coming out of the land? And and God spoke from the burning bush and he said, you tell them, I am that I am has sent you. This is what we call a primary name of God. We refer to this name in the English language as Jehovah. And we have in our Bibles many instances of this name, Jehovah, being put with other descriptors which help us to understand the character and the nature of God. For instance, we have a title of God, a name of God, which describes the fact that he is the great I am who sees. He is the great I am who provides, and on and on we go. These are in the Old Testament. We're not studying those, so we don't have time to go back and look at all of those. But when Jesus says, 
before Abraham was, I am. He is making a plain statement of deity, and he is claiming to be Jehovah. Now, just for a moment, and this is not the primary theme of the message today, but I do feel like it's important for us to say this. The Tetragrammaton, which is the the four letters in Hebrew that make up this proper name of God, which, which is very important to the Hebrew people, and it's also very important to us as believers, is sometimes in this modern age referred to or transliterated into the English language with these sounds, Yahweh. But in our English Bible, the scholars who translated the authorized version, who were very advanced in their understanding of the Hebrew language, in four separate places, they specifically denoted that this name is to be transliterated in the English language as Jehovah. Okay, so one of those places is in Exodus chapter 6. There's three other places. For the most part, when this proper name of God is used in our Bible, we find that it is denoted by the, the, the word Lord. And it is always denoted in our authorized version as being in all caps. That's how you know that it is referring to this proper name of God. It's used, I think, over 6,000 times in the Old Testament. And with the exception of four times, it is referred to in, as Lord in all caps. Then there are those four instances where it is transliterated as Jehovah, So it would be proper for us to refer to the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament as Jehovah and not as Yahweh, all right, as Jehovah. Now, I'm not going to get in an argument with you about Hebrew and all that sort of thing, but suffice it to say that the men who translated our Bible knew what they were doing. They were Hebrew scholars, and I believe that God used that and so today, when we, when we see Jesus say, he is the I am, he is saying, before Abraham was, I am Jehovah. Now, you say, what is the significance of that title? Well, that title refers to the eternal existence of God. It, it refers to his self-sufficiency. It's the idea that he needs no one and no thing. He did not create us because he needed us. He created us for his pleasure, for his glory, for having fellowship with him. But you understand, God existed without us before, and he certainly can do without us now, but he is inviting us into relationship with him. This is the wonder of I am. He's the self-existent God who invites man that he does not need to have relationship with him. And this is what Jesus is saying about himself when he says, before Abraham was, I am. So there's an attack upon Jesus' deity. There's the claim that Jesus made for himself. But now let's consider for just a couple minutes, and then we'll be done, the importance of Jesus being the I am. Does it matter? Does it matter that Jesus is the I am? Does it matter that he is the eternal God? And I'm going to say, just from the outset, it matters uh, like everything that we believe rises and falls on this. 
if Jesus is not the I am, then nothing that we believe is true. So everything that we believe comes back. And and so much of what we believe is all interrelated, you understand? It's all connected with each other. But this idea that Jesus is the I am, this declaration that he makes is incredibly important. If Jesus is not the eternal God, if he is not the self-existent one, if he is not the omnipotent God, then in verse 33 through 36, we are bound in our sin. If Jesus is not who he claimed to be, there is no freedom from sin, no deliverance, no forgiveness. You see, everything about Jesus' sacrifice rises and falls on the idea that he willingly offered himself. No man took his life, he laid it down, and he did that offering, if you will, a sacrifice which is sufficient, eternally sufficient for a covering for the sins of mankind. And you say, how many sins could be covered? All of them. There's no limit. There there is no end to his saving power. The, The only bounds that God puts on how many could be saved and how many sins could be covered is coming back to how many will come to him. So you must come to him in order for your sins to be covered, but his sacrifice is sufficient to cover them all. There's no limit. But if Jesus is not I am, if he is not eternal, if, if, if he actually had a beginning and an end, then his sacrifice could not possibly be an eternal sacrifice. It could not be sufficient for our sins. And so, is it important that Jesus is I am? Yes, because the eternal existence of Jesus means that he can be a deliverer, a deliverer for us all. So without that, there's no salvation. Furthermore, according to verses 39 through 44, our family heritage or our nationality are not enough to save us from sin. Many people, many, many people have made the mistake of thinking, I'm saved because I come from a Christian family. I'm right with God because I grew up in a Christian nation. You know, my heritage, that'll be good enough. No. No, these men that Jesus is talking to, they are the children of Abraham. If anyone has a claim to that, it's these men. But Jesus is pointing out in verses 39 through 44 that there is no way that their family heritage is going to deliver them from their sin. And in fact, he's pointing out that they have a very deep problem, which is that though they are associated by birth to their father Abraham, they are disassociated from him because of their rejection of Jesus Christ. He's pointing out, you're going about to try to kill me, and I am the God that Abraham worshipped. I am the one who he rejoiced to see, but you are going about and trying to get rid of me and trying to kill me. And, And this really points out a big problem with trying to depend on anything other than Jesus Christ for your own salvation. And it is this, that the moment you depend on something else besides Jesus, 
it puts you in direct opposition to Jesus. Because what you are saying is, I trust this and not Jesus. I mean, to use a silly illustration, I have a hymnal, therefore I am saved. So what I'm doing is I'm taking that hymnal and I'm saying, Jesus, I don't need you. I got a hymnal. Now you say, that would be ridiculous, Pastor, to say something like that. Wouldn't it be ridiculous as well to say, I don't need Jesus, I got baptized? I don't need Jesus, I carry a King James Version. I don't need Jesus, I go to a Baptist church. I don't need Jesus, I grew up in a Christian family. You know what you're doing? The Apostle Paul uh, referred to this, I'll get my word. He referred to this in the book of Romans when he said, they going about to establish their own righteousness have rejected the righteousness which is of Jesus Christ. So when you say, I'll just figure out my own way to get to heaven, I don't need Jesus, it's more than just saying, well, I don't need Jesus. You know, I'm kind of ambivalent towards him. You know, I'm neutral towards Jesus. You're not neutral. You're either for him or against him. And if you go against him as the way of salvation and try to make your own way of salvation, you are against Jesus, which is what Jesus is pointing out to these men. Now, the importance of Jesus being the I am is if you reject Jesus, you are rejecting the only way of salvation that has been provided. There is no other way of salvation. In verse 56 and 50, uh, excuse me, verse 54, let's back up there. Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his sayings. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Now what Jesus is driving at is, you can't accept God the Father and reject God the Son. If If you accept God the Son... You accept God the Father. If you accept God the Father, you accept God the Son. You you can't... So what is he pointing out? He's saying you have made a God of your own imagination. The God that you are worshiping is not the true God. I know him, Jesus says. I I am with him. I know him. I, I honor him and he honors me. But you are not honoring him at all. You're saying that you know him and that you honor him, but you're rejecting me. And this really brings us to the thought this morning as we think about Jesus being the great I am. And that is, Jesus is the center of everything that we believe. It is absolutely critical that we know and understand who he is. And that we not make up a Jesus that fits our way of thinking and goes along with the way that we would like him to be. We need to worship him as he is revealed in the Bible. And he is revealing himself very clearly here in John chapter 8 as before Abraham was, I am. He is Jehovah. He is the eternally existent God. 
He is God the Son who came into this world to become our sin bearer, to provide a substitutionary sacrifice for our sins. He is the only way of salvation. And unless you come to Jesus, you cannot be saved from your sin. Jesus is the central issue. Now, as we move forward in the weeks that are ahead, we're going to look at how Jesus takes this identity, the I am, and he applies it to different aspects of salvation and relationship to God. And we're going to look at these one by one, and I think you'll be encouraged by them, especially if you are a believer in Jesus. This morning you say, what is the, what is the right response to what has been preached? Well, one would be, if you have never reckoned with the Jesus of the Bible, if you've never come to him and and, and, and seeing that he is the only way of salvation. If you've never humbled yourself before him, then the appropriate response this morning would be for you to obey the gospel, to repent and believe on Jesus Christ, and do that which God has commanded that every person ought to do. Many of you would say this morning, well, I, I know that I'm saved, Pastor, and I, I know that I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. Then, then simply this, here's the response, worship him. Worship him. He's not just your Savior. He is the eternally existent God. He is worthy of our worship and our praise. We ought to lift him up. We ought to make a big deal about Jesus. Let's not minimize Jesus. Let's lift him up because as he is lifted up and men see him, the Father is going to draw people to him. Jesus is the central issue. Jesus is I am.